0: Our scripture passage today is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13 and our sermon today is entitled Elders and Deacons. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the the condemnation Of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. One more time. Good morning. For the rest of the summer, and perhaps for the rest of this year, we're going to tackle a very, very, very important question. And that question is, what does a church look like, and why is that important? What does it look like for Christ's covenant Presbyterian church? to come into maturity and to keep growing in faith? This is a question that many of us sort of take for granted. We look at ourselves and we look back and we look and say, I can't believe I'm 30 years old already. I can't believe I'm 22 years already. I can't believe I'm 40 with with kids already. And age and maturity seem to just Fly by and for many of us the world around us sort of pushes us and presses us into maturity, there's more responsibilities there's more people who depend upon you, you need to work well or else you don't get that paycheck you've got to feed yourself you've got to feed others and yet the question of how a church matures is a little bit more difficult because we often see the church as an organization like perhaps any other nonprofit or non government organization. And we say, listen, the church simply needs to grow just like these nonprofits. We need the organization, we need a goal, we need to sort of mobilize people to do the things that we believe that God is showing us to do. But we have to be careful, do we not? For the way the Lord organizes his church, his people, will be different, vastly different, from the way the world organizes their people. The way you and I understand maturity from naturally growing up is still a lot different from the maturity that Christ desires and Christ teaches his people. And so we've got to think well and pray well that this church will be pleasing to God, that we ourselves will be circumspect, careful to follow God's word, that we may incur His blessings that we may be in line with his will, that we may be a church that when people come and see, that they would see a people that is vastly different. They can't put their fingers on it, perhaps, but it's vastly different from any organization that they've ever seen before. For if Christ truly is our king, if Christ truly is our center, if Christ truly is the goal of our church, then everything must fall around that in it for his glory. First thing to impress upon you, this church indeed is built upon Christ and his finished work the church is built upon Christ and his finished work Christ is the sole authority and king of this church now you may say well where is he Christ isn't here don't we need to appoint human leaders in the sense to to lead us and we'll get to that But the ultimate authority of this church and the ultimate way that we progress in this church is by recognizing that Christ, the teachings that he's left us through the prophets and the apostles, through the Old and New Testaments, is the sole authority of all that we do. It's the sole authority to guide us in how we should do worship, how we should love one another, how we should encourage each other. And so for all of us as a church, it's incumbent upon us to read and understand this. You know, when you, when you get a new job and they give you that huge manual that, that Human Resources gives you about every little thing about their, their business and how you get vacation days. I know that's the first place that most of you guys look at. You know, how you get overtime and all of those things. This is, this is our manual. And there are times in your workplace where, where I know that you say, listen, the manual says this, I get this much time off. And you go to your boss, you go to your supervisor, and they go, oh, I guess you're Right? Because that's the constitution, if I can put it that way, of your workplace. In the same way, but even more so, we have a divinely inspired constitution, which is scripture itself. And scripture itself is what leads this church. It must lead this church. And all of us, Must stand under Scripture and allow it to permeate our structures, our leadership, our philosophy of ministry. Let me give you a reason why this is true. We will one day, hopefully soon, be appointing elders and deacons, and we'll talk more about what that offices look like. But did you know that the elders and deacons are under scripture? That they themselves do not have authority on their own, that they must submit to the teachings that the Bible reveals, to the theology that's contained within, to the biblical structures that we see coming out of Scripture. And what's beautiful about this is that any one of us as members of this church, if we see a discrepancy between what the church is teaching, how the leaders are leading and serving, We see a discrepancy between them and Scripture. Every one of us has the obligation, the right, the privilege to humbly rebuke and discuss, hey, are we under God's word? it makes it remarkable that we all know that God's word is the final authority in all things. And if, in the end, the question becomes, how do we read scripture? That's a better question than simply, hey, do I like this guy, do I not like this guy? Hey, do I like his family or do I not like his family? Hey, he ignored me this one day and I think he likes this guy better. Hey, I'm not sure exactly. If we ground it in Scripture, then we're good. And so it's incumbent upon all of us to, to, to understand how God works. Christ is the king of this church, he's not elected president, <laughs> he's the king, divinely appointed. He rules perfectly over us, and all of us submit to him. That's the first thing we must all remember. Christ is our king. The second thing before we get into this passage is for us to understand that the church appoints elders and deacons. These are the offices that the Lord has left us. These are the officers that the Lord calls out to steward the church in a direction that is consonant with God's word. That with wisdom understands the context where they live. And with wisdom discerns how to use the gifts and resources of the church to best further God's kingdom. Now there are will be people who ask the question, we the apostles. Are there no more apostles? And they'll say to you, well, I know someone who's an apostle there at that church down in the corner. He's the apostle so-and-so. Well, they ask you the question, what well, about prophets? There are no more prophets. They'll say, well, I know this prophetess down, down the road who, who calls herself a prophet. Well, they'll ask, no, where?" Where's your bishop? You know, there's, there's this place over there that has, that has a bishop. We believe that scripture teaches us, especially here in, in this passage and also in Titus, that the proper structure of a church in this day in this age, in this time of redemptive history, are simply elders and deacons. We can see that because this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. And Paul has on his mind, his number one concern is, how is a church going to progress? When those who were ministering with Jesus, the 12 apostles, and, and him himself being an apostle, when we pass away, what is the structure of the church going to look like? Now remember, these apostles had special gifts from the Lord. They were able to speak with divine authority. That's what we have in, in Paul's letters and in Peter's letters. They were to able to lead God with a divine appointed wisdom that was only given for one time so that the church may have that foundation. To grow. In fact, during that time, there are also what we call New Testament prophets. People who were able to, to stand up and to give a word from the Lord. People who it seems like who were able to give sort of contextual messages about what the church should do. But even then they had to present themselves between before the leaders of the church before they could prophesy. But here in this passage, if we look at Timothy, if we look at Titus, Paul says nowhere this is how to raise up another apostle. Paul says nowhere this is how to raise up more prophets. Paul says nowhere about continuing these special gifts that the Lord had given to the first generation These apostles and prophets who laid down the foundation. But instead, he's encouraged Timothy himself, not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He encouraged him. We need to raise up elders or overseers. And, deacons. and so this is where the Presbyterian model comes from. We believe in what we call a plurality of elders. We don't believe in one elder for one church. He's not a bishop. He doesn't contain authority by himself. But we believe that scripture teaches us that the wisdom of, 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 of a mature and healthy church is to have not one elder who leads, but a plurality of elders who lead. And the purpose of these elders are to shepherd, to cast vision, to teach and to care for the sheep. The purpose of the deacons is to serve, to be the hands and the feet. Now in these Upcoming weeks, we'll talk more about what does it mean to be an elder and the distinctions between what we have in in our denomination, in the PCA, between teaching elder and ruling elder. And we'll talk more about deacons and the roles that they they have been given in Scripture. But what I want to impress upon you is that this Presbyterian way of doing church government was not ad hoc, just a committee because we need to do something. I do not look, I look at the other models out there, and they're my brothers and they're my sisters. They're our brothers and they're our sisters. Their church governments are vastly, are, are different than ours, although if you look deep down, you'll see that a lot of presbyterian influence even in the Baptist church. But what we see here in Scripture is that the Lord has appointed and has called men to become elders and deacons to rule the church, to serve the church, to guide the church. This is what God has left us. And this is what God has given the church the structure to move forward into maturity. In many ways, my, this church is still an incomplete church. You might say, what do you mean it's an incomplete church? We have you, Pastor Young. And I will say to you, I'm not the church. I'm simply a teaching elder. You guys will simply say Pastor but I'm a teaching elder in our denomination through our presbytery to come and organize this body together that we may raise up elders, that you may become no longer a missions church, but what we call a particular church. It's just jargon. A particular church that has elders I can represent and run this church in a way that is constant with Scripture. The pastor is not the king of the church. For many of you, many of us who've grown up in our churches, we often see the pastor as the king. His word is not only the first word or the last word. I remember hearing many, many pastors boasting, we'll, we'll have a session, and they'll boast, and they say, every time we've had a vote in the last 30 years, it was always unanimous. And I would go, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> should it shouldn't be unanimous all the time. There should be discussion. There should be dissent. But there should always be mutual submission to one another, whatever the decision may be. But oftentimes we relinquish everything to the pastor as a king to make every decision. But that's not my role. That's the role of all the elders together in unison, working together to grow faithfully this church that God has given to us. When we look here at this passage, and I'm going to be very brief today, because there's a lot that we're going to say during our members' meeting uh, about the steps to become a particular church. Um, and so today I just want to give a brief overview of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-13. through 13. Verse 1 through 7 in particular talks about the office of an overseer, as we have here in the ESV, or simply an elder. For one, God raises up elders. For all of us men who are here, there should be a desire for every man in the body of Christ to desire the higher gifts. There should be a questioning of self, of whether, Lord, could I become an elder or an overseer one day of this church or another church in the future? Unfortunately, most men today would rather take a back seat and allow other people to serve. And oftentimes in churches, that burden falls to the women. Now we'll get to this in the weeks in the future about why we here believe that men are the ones who are called um, to the office of elders. But at this point, just bear with me. (laughs) we'll get to that sermon in about two weeks oftentimes that burden lies with the women and you might look at a church and you look at the church and you see that they have a session of elders but you see that they're not leading they're not serving they're not helping, they're not growing In fact, in a lot of churches, you'll see people going around the session, around the elders to get things done. And that's because oftentimes we raise up elders with a wrong expectation. We raise up elders who do not understand the office that they are called to do. But in this passage here, we look very simply that almost all the characteristics of an elder has to do with character. It's about character. It's about the way the Lord has grown this person. It's not about ability. It's about the character that God has given you in your maturity as you growed in him. Doesn't that sound like anything that any man or any woman should be doing anyways? That all of us should be growing in our character in the Lord? That we're not looking to take a 10-week class somewhere of how to organize a church. We're not taking a 10-week class somewhere about how to organize a small group. And therefore, if you go through that class, you're, you have the credentials to do something. It's about who you are. It's about how people perceive you as they see you grow in the Lord. It's about witnesses from one another, about the person, the people around you. Verse 2, Oversee must be above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, Able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Manage his household well with dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if he does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? These characteristics, you might look at them and say, Who can be an elder? None of us have these characteristics in full. So, if so, who can become an elder? Now, if you grew up in the Korean church, you will realize that the office of elder is a really high office. In other words, you have to wait till you're like 65 or 70. And then by that time, you're too old to do anything anyway. Yeah, I'm 48, I already feel too old to do anything. But, but by that time, you, you, you feel too old to do anything. In fact, in the Korean church, oftentimes it's the person who seems to be the most accomplished, the most have-it-together person. And it takes sort of a certain amount of worldly maturity to get to that point. And so we often look at that and we say Who, you know, when can we reach that point? That seems like it's going to take us forever to become a church a particular church. And even if they are at that age you look at these, these, these characteristics of, of what it means to be an overseer And believe me, I I know a lot of 65-year-old people who are not sober-minded, who are not self-controlled, who are not hospitable, who like to drink a little bit too much, who are not gentle. And yet for many of us, we look at ourselves and we look at this and say, this is just unattainable for anyone and everyone. And those who do become elders, those few that we see, those good ones that we see in our churches in the past, were like, that will never happen. I would say to all of you that that's a too high view of what an elder is it's a too high view it's a view that none of us can really carry it's a view that none of us even myself as a teaching I could not I look at this and I look at myself and I would say fail 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 eh low pass maybe fail 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 But on the other hand, we have to be careful not to have a too low view of this as well and not to sort of choose and and elect anyone just because they've been here for a while or just because they served really well or just because it seems like it's their turn. And this is where humility across the board has to enter into God's household. And wisdom needs to enter into every member's heart about finding elders who will submit to the king. What are we looking for here at this church? What are we looking for as we move forward? And This is to address to first to the men. Men, be eager to pursue the higher gifts that God calls you to. Maturity in Christ for all of us men means to really wrestle with this question. Is God calling call me to an office? And it's having the humility and the submission to know that it's not me who is getting, it's not simply me who calls me to this office, but it's the church in Christ who calls me to it. And if God decides not to call me, that's okay. But if God calls me to this office, I will humbly and with humility and reliance upon Him serve. That's all we can do as men. That's all we can do. Not many of us were wise according to human standards. Remember First Corinthians. For we come declaring to know nothing except for Christ and Him crucified. Secondly, for... Our church as a whole and our, for our women as well. Encourage our men. Strengthen our men. Rebuke our men. In a good way, please. In a good way. <laughs> please. Our women are strong here. Please, in a good way. Because if our leadership is healthy, our church is healthy. If our leadership is weak, our church is weak. If our leadership is sick, our church is sick. We already know that just in the places that we work. God's given us a glimpse of that. Even more so in the church of Christ itself. So what does this mean? To me, when I look at these... these, um, Qualifications for an elder, and I look at our church. My question is not simply, have they attained this? My question is, is there a trajectory towards this? Do I see themselves wrestling and growing with being sober minded? Even though might, right now they might be in a very confused state, but they're trying to get sober minded. Do I see them trying to gain self-control? Do I see them growing respectability amongst brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Do I see them wrestling with how to be hospitable in all things with, with everything that they have? Do I see them growing in teaching? Now, this is a little bit different, and we'll go into that in the weeks to follow about a teaching elder, which I am, and a ruling elder. Um, I'm a teaching elder. I teach. Um, but. For some of you as ruling elders, eventually, some of you will have the aptitude and the desire to teach. You're not a drunkard. We live in a culture today where drinking and overeating is huge. It's almost acceptable in our world. But do I see these men control and wrestling well with the role of alcohol, even in our church? They're growing in their gentleness. They're not as quarrelsome as they used to be. They don't pick fights just to pick fights. (laughs) They're starting to learn that there's only certain battles that are worth battling for the church and for the Lord. They're not a lover of money. And this will get important because they will have to make decisions about the budget of the church. manage his household well. The household does not need to be perfect. It will never be perfect. Never, 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 never. But there's certain humility to recognize. A real humility to recognize that they need the grace of the Lord. And they desire their families to grow in Christ and they are in obedience Faithfully praying and loving their family. In all of these things, what's important about all of these things is that the body of Christ, the members, all of you are important to be able to discern and to nominate people in our church who fit that description. And there's a reason why we ask the members, and it's not just me. And you'll hear this, I say this so many times, and you you, you will understand why this is important. When I see people, they act differently around me. It's just the way it is. I'm a pastor, so when you look at me, it's like, this is Pastor Young, therefore my vocabulary has to be this way. I can only sort of share stuff this way and somebody get more comfortable with me and, and we'll share more and stuff like that and that's, that's great and stuff like that. But for the most part, you don't have your, you have your um, defenses up when you're around me. But we need the whole body. Why? I see one side. Justin, his name is Justin, will be able to see the other side. Well, last week I got his name wrong. Uh, uh, Justin will see a different side of that person. Someone else will see a third side. Someone else will see a fourth side. Someone will else will see a fifth side, a sixth side, a seventh side. And that wisdom that God gives the body of Christ enables us to discern who may one day lead this church? Lastly. Once we become a particular church, and this is very important to hear, once we become a particular church, these elders, in a sense, are no longer accountable to the members. Now, our Berkeley Church order, you can you can actually file a complaint we have uh, structures in place where you can depose an elder Okay, we, we do have that but that's very rare but once we get these elders together they are not not they are not here in a sense to listen to you like what that doesn't make sense They're not here to listen to the will of the people. I'm not here primarily to listen to the will of the people. And you don't want that either. You want them to listen to the will of the Lord. Whoever our session will be, they are responsible before the Lord, their their king, our king. lead this church in a way that is constant with scripture and God's kingdom and so we're looking for people we're praying for people that God will raise up who will be submissive again to our one and only king not to the vagaries of life not to that one or two person who shouts loudly in our church, but to the Lord. We need to start praying now, today. We need to start praying now, today. Men, you need to start discerning your hearts now, today. All of us together need to pray and discern now and today how we may grow into maturity as a church today. We are not an English ministry. We are not a fellowship. We are not a group of people who get together. We need to become a church. We need to obey scripture. We need to follow the means of grace that God has given to us that we may experience the fullness of God's love that we may be equipped to do every good work for his kingdom. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. And we pray by God's grace he would do so. God will build his church. I'm so confident of that and the reason why that is is because I don't even know how I myself got this far I just don't know how I got this far and if God can use someone like me to get us this far God can surely use any of us to further his kingdom in this church he will do it For us, is trust and obey. He will do it. For He called us out of darkness, out of weakness. He will do it. For He will equip His church, us, for every good work. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There is no one like you. And Lord, we thank you for this church that you have given to us. And we ask of you once again to help this church, Lord, to grow into full maturity, Lord. Father, as we really start thinking and praying through what it means to become a particular church, Lord, give us all wisdom, Lord. Help us all to reflect well just in our own lives about who we are, that we may be people of sound judgment, Lord, in all ways, Lord Jesus. We ask of you, Lord, that you would raise up men who will become elders in this church. We pray, Lord, that you would be stirring up people's hearts to follow and to obey. And we pray, Lord, that we as a church, as a whole, Lord, that whoever you may call, that you would give us agreement. Please give us agreement. Please, Lord God. That you may keep the unity of this church. That we may be a pleasant aroma to you, that people would see the love of Christ amongst us. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.